Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. I love that. I love that. Well, hey, what I want to do, I just want to start with Scripture, if that's all right. While you're still standing here, while we haven't prayed just yet. But I, I want to start with just the Word. And I'm going to read actually off of this screen with you. Because I want us to look at it together. Because it's something I want to just talk with us about today. We're in a series called Help. Um, somebody shout, Help. Help, I'm, we're going to talk about what that is in just a second, but this is scripture we're going to be in today. This is what it says on the screen. You don't have to read it with me, but I'm going to tell you, this is what 2 Corinthians 10, 3 says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, and when we get to that underlined word right there, I want you to shout it like we're about to demolish something, okay? Like we're about to do that word in just a second. On the contrary, the weapons that we fight with, guess what? They have divine, divine power to demolish. Come on, one more time. Demolish strongholds. Come on, I love that. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And guess what we do? You know what we do? We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. And so today we're talking about help I'm. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series talking about things that we just all struggle with. I think if you can sum up America, uh, the last few weeks we've talked about what all of us are dealing with. The first week I talked about depression. Help, I'm depressed right? I've struggled with that myself. Help, I'm anxious. Man, I'm walking through a tough time. Last week, we talked about help, I'm tired. I don't know about you, but I'm talking about a soul rest. That's kind of like that song that we just sung right there. There's a soul rest for you, and it's available in Jesus. So help, I'm depressed. Help, I'm tired. And this week, y'all gonna have to help me out, because I'm talking about something that a lot of us, we don't, it's uncomfortable for us to talk about, but it's this idea. Help, I'm broke. Come on, somebody. Can anybody resonate with that mindset right there? Well, let me pray for us, and we'll talk about it in just a few minutes. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you're the God that never leaves us. You never forsake us. That, God, even when we cry out to help, even when we call out to your name, King Jesus, that we uh, are calling out to you, and you listen, and you respond. And, God, you are not far distant uh, far off, God, but you are as close as a brother. You're as close on the inside of us with your Holy Spirit. And so today, God, we honor you. We love you. We pray you speak to our hearts today. We pray you speak to the, de the spots in our life that we don't even know that we're hiding from you. May you bring those to light today. May you expose those. May you heal those. And may we get some help in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. I'm going to make sure everybody's good. Everybody good back there. Nobody fell off the stage just then. All right, good. Come on, one more time as you're having a seat. If you love Jesus, can you make a little bit of noise in this place? Go ahead and have a seat, have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. I love that, I love that, I love that. Well, man, we're so glad that you're here. And I'll just tell you, uh, this series has been good. Has anybody enjoyed this series so far? All three of you, that sounds good with me, all right? No, I'm just kidding. I, I want you to know that, that the things that I speak from to you guys, the things I want to encourage us with, a lot of times are very things that I struggle with the most, right? And we talked about just a few weeks ago how I struggle and have struggled with over the last about 12, 14 months, something like that. I think a lot of us have gone through this season of anxiety, what's happening next, what's going to happen after this. And, and I think a lot of us, we struggle with that. Uh, last week we talked about being tired, and I don't know about you, but we run at some incredible paces along the way. Uh, and, and what happens is, is those paces uh, wear us out. I'm not talking about just in physical life. I'm talking about spiritually, I'm talking about emotionally, I'm talking about the things that are on the inside. That soul gets tired, right? And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, this week we're actually going to speak about something I think a lot of us uh, struggle with or have struggled with in the past, and I just want to bring some light to it. I want to bring some encouragement to us, and uh, I want to start out with a couple facts really quick. Not really facts, but more of an opinion. There was a lot of, uh, of things that I've learned from Pastor Chris Hodges and Pastor Robert Morris that you're going to hear today that were things that were taught to me many years ago, and I can't wait to just share some of them 
with you, but there is a uh, there was a, a poll taken not too long ago, and I think we can all just agree real quick uh, that that this poll, like if somebody, I wish somebody would just ask, not just ask me this, I wish they just go ahead and do it for me. But but there's a thing that that was asked is, hey, what would you do? If you were given 10, like, like, what would you do in order to get $10 million? Come on, like, like, what would you be willing to do in order to have $10 million? How many of y'all would just love for $10 million to just show up in your bank account tomorrow? Come on. I think a lot of us would be like, okay, I'm going to turn that down. Come on, somebody, right? We ain't turning that down. But, but here's the thing. Uh, this was asked of some people, uh, and they, they actually responded. And here's the statistics of what would you be willing to do for $10 million. And the answers I'm just going to tell you are pretty, I don't even know. Like, like these are pretty wild, okay? Uh, so this is what, the very first one is this. 25% would abandon their entire family. All right, y'all, I'm out. See you later. I'm gone, right? $10 million. Some of y'all is like, mm, don't tempt me today, okay? I know I saw some of you elbowing somebody. See what would happen? There is a price tag on love. I'm leaving for $10 million, you know what I'm saying? Like 25%, that's one in four people, and they would be willing to leave their entire family for $10 million. That's a lot, that's, that's a lot of people that answered like that, okay? 23%, watch this, this is getting even crazier. 23% would become a prostitute for a week or more. Okay, like we are, oh, this is getting out of hand really quickly, okay? Right, what's what happens next? Uh, 16% would say, you know what? I'm proud to be American, but I'll give it up for $10 million. Come on, somebody, right? Somebody like, woo, yeah, all right, I get it. They would give up, 16% would give up their American citizenship for $10 million. That's pretty wild to me. Watch this. Now, it's starting to get crazier. Watch this. Watch these next couple. 10% would withhold testimony letting a murderer go free. All right, y'all, it's starting to get a little bit hairy now, okay? Like at $10 million, and some of you probably, I think all of us would be like, mm, I wonder if that would be the case if I would do that. But one out of 10 would actually say that they would be willing to let a murderer go free and withhold testimony. The next one, it gets real dangerous, all right? And I want you to understand something. This is a little bit crazy, all right? 7% would kill a total stranger for $10 million. Does that not open anybody else's eyes other than mine? That seven out of 100 people would choose a person to kill instead of get, and get $10 million. That is so wild to me that 7% would actually uh, get, want, be willing to kill somebody for some money. I think that's crazy. The last thing uh, in that mountain, some of you may have been here before if you got teenagers 3% would say they would put themselves up for their, their children up for adoption. Maybe you're running through some crazy times in your house. Some of y'all are like, okay, just take them. I don't need 10 million. Just take them for a, at least a week. You'll probably return them for sure, right? I think about that, but I, I think those statistics are a little bit funny, but they're a little bit wild to me, a little eye-opening to me, because I'll just tell you that right there shows me and should show us what a lot of people value in life. Right, what a lot of people put a lot of stock in in life is not necessarily human life or family or anything, but they're willing to say, you know what, I'm willing to put it all on the line, do whatever I got to do for some money, for some, for some things in life. And so what I think about so many times is oftentimes what you and I do is we try to fix a spiritual uh, problem that we have with a natural remedy. Right, so that's what happens so many times is there's a spiritual issue that's going on. And what happens is, is we think, hey, if I can just fix it with the natural remedy, then I'll be all good. I like to equate that to the fact of, hey, you know what, that's like a sickness on the inside of you. And you've got the symptoms on the outside. You've got the things that you walk through and I walk through that may be the symptoms of the sickness. And that's like you and I just treating the symptom and not ever getting to the root of the sickness. And so I think that's so important for us to understand as, as if you believe in Jesus and if you follow Jesus is that whatever you and I are, I think so many times what happens is uh, in our spiritual life, there, there's things that are coming out in a natural remedy, like a natural way. And so an outflow where it comes out. But I just think it's not a natural necessary remedy that's going to fix that. It's got to be a spiritual remedy that will fix that. Help, I'm broke. And I think that's what I want to talk to us about today. Is I think so many of us want to fix the symptoms of it, but we never want to get to the root of it. We never want to get to the root of the heart of why we're, why we're doing that or why we feel like we're broke. Because that's what I know. And I just believe, I believe that broke is a mindset. 
I believe that broke is a mindset because I think for a lot of us in this room, if you compare our, uh, what we own, what we have, and we're all over the spectrum when it comes to things and money and bank accounts and all of that, but when you compare it to some people, maybe even in a foreign country, that, that, that literally if you live in America, you're one of the top 2% of urge, or like wage earners in the entire world. And, and so you and I, though, we walk around and we say, you know what, I'm broke. But for me, to me, that's a mindset. Broke is a mindset. And so I just believe with all of my heart, just what Scripture was telling us today, that the Bible tells us for we live in a world and we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of this world. What's that telling us? That's saying, hey, we don't use natural remedies to fix spiritual issues, right? We just don't do that. He says, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish. Somebody say divine power. Somebody shout power. They got divine power to demolish strongholds. Now shout demolish. I like that. I like that Paul uses that word right there in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I love that he uses that. He uses the word demolish, right? He doesn't use the word, oh, we're just going to pat it on the back push it along on the way. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh just put a little cream on it, then it'll be okay. You know? Oh, oh just a little bit, uh, a little bit better is what we're going to do in this area. No, no, no. The Bible tells us, on the contrary, that you and I have been given divine power to demolish strongholds. Somebody shout demolish. Demolish. So you're not dealing with these things anymore. You don't have to deal with these things anymore. So part of my assignment, I feel like, as your pastor it's for us as a church, we're to go out and we are to reach the lost, the people that are far from God. And let me just share something with you really quick. I want to invite you next Sunday to bring some people who have not been to church in a long time. I'm going to put, I'll put this challenge on you a couple times a year to where you, uh, next week is going to be a gospel-centered, gospel-driven. There is a video that I can't, help, I can't wait to show as part of the sermon that I'm going to preach next week. And we're going to title it next week, Help, I'm Lost. And so if you know anybody that is struggling, that's far from God, that may not know God, listen, our mission as a church is to connect people to Jesus and help them live on purpose. And I just want to tell you, next Sunday is going to be a great time for you to bring somebody that may be lost, that doesn't know God, been a long time since they've been in church. Trust me, next Sunday is going to be a great service for us to be a part of and for them to be a part of. And I'll just tell you, though, my job as your pastor so it's, it's to help you and I. We're to reach the lost together. We're to go out there and connect them to Jesus, help them live on purpose. But my job also as a pastor is for the believers. If you know Jesus, it's for you and I to understand that we can live empowered, that we can live in freedom, that we can live in victory. I remember growing up in church. Y'all remember growing up in church, and people would say they were Christians, but they never let their face know that they was a Christian. You know what I'm talking about? They never let their attitude know that they was a Christian. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They just walk around all the time, just, oh, hum, oh, it's going to be okay. Like Eeyore off of, off of Winnie the Pooh. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Like just walking around all ho-hum, it's going to be better one day, I guess. And then as a teenager, what I would do is I would read the Bible, and I would see how Jesus literally would call people to say, you know what, you have been given all power and all authority, Jesus, on heaven and on earth, and now you've impartated it to us, you've given it to us in the form of your Holy Spirit, and so now I'm giving power. I got to thinking, where are some powerful Christians at? Come on, somebody, right? Like, like I want to be around those people that are full of Jesus' power and authority, and you and I can live that way. You and I don't have to live defeated, broken, busted, depressed, anxious, broke, and beat up by the devil in the things of this world. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus said himself that in this world you will have trouble, but guess what? Take heart. I've overcome all of the world. Can we give Jesus a big ovation in this place right now? Come on, y'all can do a little bit better than that for King Jesus. Listen. I just want to challenge this, this stronghold, because what happens is, I believe that broke, again, is a mindset, because watch what happens. We demolish arguments, he went on to say. We demolish arguments. So you've been given divine power to, to go out and demolish these things and demolish arguments, which what that means for me is that that broke can turn into an argument in your mind and in my mind, and it can say, you know what, well, you don't have enough. You, you need more. You, you need more. But when we, when we just step back for just a second... 
and we compare the things that we have compared to other people, man, we are a blessed people. We, we are, and broke can be just a mindset. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. I love this topic of help I'm broke because I think all of us have been there. I think I've been there. Me and Allie have been there as, as, as a married couple. You're probably there. You've been there in the past. I think all of us have struggled with this area uh, of being broke and this mindset that we potentially could have. And I love that Jesus even speaks towards uh, the things in our life that we struggle with. I love that Jesus doesn't shy away from things, but he addresses things. And I love what he says in uh, Luke chapter 16. Uh, and we're going to read out of the New King Jimmy. All right, That's why I call it the New King James Version. Come on, somebody, right? The NKJV, because there's a word in here that I want us to see. And it's, it's kind of been translated out of uh, in the newer uh, translations, the NIV or the NLT. But in the King James Version and the New King James Version, there is a word that's used in this scripture that Jesus is speaking that I want to talk to us about just for a few minutes. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 16, verse 9. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous, there's the word that we want to look at, mammon. Somebody shout mammon. Mammon, Mammon, uh, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least, you probably heard this before, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous, there's that word again, mammon. Somebody shout mammon. Mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he'll love, uh, uh, he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. Watch this right here. You cannot serve both God and mammon. All right, so how many of y'all know what that word mammon is? I don't think none of us do, right? I think a lot of us did, right? If we read that in the King James Version or the New King James Version, not many of us would. We just probably skipped right over that. And if you actually go uh, into the newer translations, they, what they a lot of times will do, well, they'll capitalize the word, the, the, the word right there, it's mammon, but in the newer translations, they'll capitalize it for money, if you see that a lot of times. Because there is a technically a spirit that's on our finances. I want you to understand that. I'm going to speak towards that today. I want you to know that what is mammon? We've got to talk about that. What in the world is mammon? Mammon is kind of a, I'm going to get a little deeper with you today, because this is the thing about mammon. Mammon was a false Assyrian god that first got its start in, in Babylon. Right, y'all remember the whole uh, story of Tower of Babel, right, when they were trying to build their way up to God, and God came down, saw that, oh my goodness, man, everybody that speaks the same language, and if they do that, that's why organizational language is so important for us, we want to speak the same language, we want to say a lot of the same things, because man, when we do that, the Bible tells us that nothing is unstoppable to us if we're able to do that. So uh, we see that, that God is doing that. He looks down and is like, yo, uh-uh, they're not going to build this tower up for themselves. We are not going to let that happen. And God comes down, and at, in Babylon, at the Tower of Babel, he confuses the languages. Right, so they all go different directions, speaking different languages. They no longer understand anymore. It was a, a Babel is actually translated as confusion, in confusion. So this confusion spirit comes out of Babylon. The Assyrians pick it up, and they worship this false god called Mammon. And so what Mammon actually was was the god of riches. It's the god of riches. And so whenever you have this spirit, what you and I buy into, the lies and the arguments and the mindset of mammon, this idea is that there's confusion around this thing called money. I think we all can agree with that. I think we all understand that. The number one cause of divorce in America, what's it about? It's not even about raising kids. It's not even about, it's about money. It's about money. Think about uh, just what's going on in Washington, D.C. Nobody can really agree on how much money should be or shouldn't be spent. There's a lot of confusion around it. You know why? There's a spirit of mammon. There's this God of riches, this, this thing that, that literally all the way back from, from Jesus' time, even Haggai understood it because he said this, and, and this is where a lot of us can understand 
what God is speaking. Haggai would say, you know what? I earn money. I put it in my pocket, and it's like there's holes in my pocket. Come on, somebody. That's somebody's life verse right there. You know, that's on your mirror in your bathroom, you know. Haggai 1.8, all right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, hey, everybody understands that there's confusion around it. There's this idea of what do I do or how do I do it? And, and again, the number one cause of divorce in America is because there's confusion, anger, resentment, tension around this idea of money. And so Jesus is saying to you and I that we can't serve two things. That we're going to serve God or we're going to serve something else. Replace that mammon with anything else. And God is saying to you and I, Jesus is saying to you and I, you can't serve two masters. you got to serve me, follow me, do as I command of you, do as I ask you to do, or, or do something else. And I just think it's so uh, encouraging for us that, that our money has a spirit on it. I, I know that's a little, that's a little bit, ooh, like, ooh. Somebody just say, ooh. All right. That's a little, that's a little weird, but I want you to know that your, your money's not neutral. I want us to get that. I want us to understand that. It has a spirit on it. And when it has God's spirit on it, or it has mammon's spirit on it, this, this idea that I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do whatever I got to do. So we'll talk about a few things that the, this, this mammon-type spirit, how it can be on our finances and how it can lie to you and I. Because what happens is, is you and I, we buy into it. And I've been there, and I'm, I, I have to fight this all the time. But the spirit of mammon will lie to you, and I want to give you a few things that it will say to you and I. Number one is this is that if money, it's going to make me feel secure. That money will make me feel secure. If I have it, I'll be able to insulate myself from all of the problems that are going on around me. I'll be able to just kind of take it easy if I can just get more of it. And we even have this term in the financial world. I think a lot of us have heard of it for, before, but it's being financially what? Secure, right? You've heard it. It's, it's there. Like money will make me secure, and I along with a lot of people, we've bought into this lie that says the more money I have, the more things I have, the more secure I will, feel, uh, I, I will be. I love what Proverbs 18 says. It says, the rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Right, right. And I, and I think if I ask this question to all of us, I think we'd all have the same answer. How much is enough to make you and I, excuse me, feel secure against all of life's possibilities. Like how much is enough? You know what I'm saying? If I asked everybody in this room, you know what we all probably would say? Just a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Just a little bit more. If I could just get a little bit more than I currently have, if I could just get a little bit more in that account, if I could get a little bit more debt paid off, I just have a little bit more. And, and we have to be very careful about that being our security. And I, I want to stop right there because I want everybody to understand there's nothing wrong with having nice things. There's nothing wrong with having finances. There's nothing wrong with being smart and being good stewards. I want to start out kind of at the get-go saying that. There's nothing wrong with that. But my challenge is, is that when I find my hope and my security of what tomorrow looks like in money and my bank accounts, then we're in trouble. Okay, then we're, then we're at a problem there. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 11, you go a few chapters before, it says this, trust in your money and down you go. But the godly will flourish like leaves. I love what uh, Hebrews actually has to say. Keep your lives free from the love of money. See, I want us to understand nothing wrong with having finances, nothing wrong with having things, nothing wrong with having nice things. I want to take care of the things that God has given me. I don't mind having nice things. I, I, I like having things, but I want us to understand that I'm not going to love those things so much that that's what I find my security in. Like, that's where I get up in the morning knowing, okay, it's the job that's going to provide for me. No, 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 it's the God that provided the job for me. I'm not going to get up and say, oh, oh, my bank account's got a lot of zeros. No, I'm going to get up saying, you know what? There's a God that had a zero in my sin account because of what Jesus did, and he's the one that provides for me. That's where my security is. It's not in the money that I have. I love what it goes on to say in Hebrews 13, the love of money, and be, don't, don't have that, be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. So he would say with confidence that the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. Come on church, is there anybody that's thankful that if a God is for me, who in the world can be against me? Come on, let's give him a shout of praise all over this place. Don't let security be in my money, I'm going to be secure in who God has called me to be and the things of God. Okay, that's number one. Number two is this. So many times, again, it'll lie to us, it'll tell us that money is going to make me feel significant. 
It's going to make me significant in life. Like, like what begins to happen is you and I, as we wrap our whole identity around our possessions, I, I, I am what I have. And the problem with that, what I want us to understand, and what I want to challenge us is that if you find your security and your, your belonging and your significance in the bank account or in the things that you have, let me ask you a quick question. What happens when those things are gone? What happens when there is no money in the account? What happens when you get that diagnosis and the money can't change you? The money, the money itself isn't going to be the thing that, that, that is securing you. I, I want us to just challenge us with that because so many times we think, oh, oh I'm, and I'm, I'm, the, I'm the worst with you. I'm, the, I'm right there with you because money to me, again, so many times I find security in that. So many times I find significance in that. If I could just have a better car. Right, if I just have a better vehicle, man, people would respect me a little more. Like if I had better clothes, people would think I'm more important. And we try to let things define us. But the Bible tells us, then Jesus said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. you know why? This is why. It's not because you can't have nice things. It's not because you, 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 like, you can have those things, but understand that life is not measured by how much you own. I think about some of the richest people in all of the world when it comes to significance were people like Mother Teresa. You think about the lady Mother Teresa and how she impacted culture and humanity for Jesus. And I think about that little lady didn't have nothing but the stitch of clothes that's practically on her back. You know what I'm talking about? But she had so much significance to her life. Why? Because her significance was not in the things. Her significance was not in the, the money or the possessions. It was in the sole person of Jesus Christ. I think that's so important for us to see. I think about the last thing that money will do, and it lied to us so many times. I want to call this money lies, but we were in a series called Help I'm. So I want to talk about broke because these are the lies that, that the devil feeds us and that this kind of the spirit of mammon kind of throws at our ways, that money will finally make me happy. Like if I get enough, then I'll, be able to, then I'll be able to go and do, then I'll be happy. And if that were true, some of the richest people in all of the world would be the happiest people. But what I found out is that the richest people sometimes are the most miserable people. Because what happens is so many times if we don't put this in the right place that it belongs, what happens is when we get, we want to get more. Right, it almost creates a spirit, like an appetite for more stuff. You would think it quenches it, but actually, it actually makes us more discontent. Like the problem a, a person has, like the more that they have, the more that they want to have. Right, it's just one of those things, and and I have to fight against that all the time. I think we as a church, we have to fight against that at, at a lot of times as well. I think that's one thing that can even creep into the church a little bit. That, that once we get that, once we get this, once we get, then we'll be happy. Then we'll finally be satisfied. But I don't think that's what scripture is telling us. I even think about, how many of y'all love Shark Tank? Anybody watch Shark Tank? Come on, it's like date night for Allie and I with four kids. You know what I'm saying? We watch it on Friday night. We recording it. I love it. I love watching Shark Tank. We've watched it for, for many, many years watching it. And one of the guys on there, he kind of understands where we're at because he just had twins not too long ago, is this guy named Robert Hershevik, right? He, he's this guy that come up with like this cyber security thing, billionaire Robert uh, Hershevik, right? Like, like he's this billionaire, just had twins not too long ago. But before he had the twins, there was an episode where he actually stated on there that guess how many hours a night that Robert Hershevik, billionaire Robert Hershevik sleeps. He sleeps three hours a night. How many of y'all know you grumpy in three hours? That's all you getting. You is real grumpy, okay? I get it. How miserable is that, right? Because you know why? He, he's a billionaire that can't even enjoy one of the greatest things in life. Yo, bed. Come on, somebody, right? Being a, oh, I love my bed. Just the comforter and the feet outside the covers. Whoa, Jesus. Thank you. All right. But, but I want to just challenge us because the Bible even talks about this. Those uh, who love money. Now, again, I'm not judging Robert himself. I'm not judging that. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that it's bad to have things. Listen to me. I want you all to understand. I have nice things. I, I have things in my life. I have things that I have myself that, I, I, that we own. And they're nice things. I want to steward that well. But watch what the Bible says. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. 
So that's a lie that we get fed so many times that, man, the more money we have, the more things we have, the more secure I'm going to be, the, more, the, the, the happier I'm going to be, the more significant that my life is going to be. And this is what I want you to write down. It's not going to be up here on the screen, but I want you to write this down. God is not saying don't have. You know what, what God is saying? God is saying don't let it have you. So God is not saying don't have. God is just saying don't let it have you. I don't let the things, the possession, the, all of that stuff have you. Now, it's not bad to have. I love what it says in Psalms 31, or 32, verse 1. It says, oh, what joy. Uh, somebody shout joy. joy. I want to say, oh, what joy. It is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, oh, oh, oh what joy for those who are di- whose disobedience is forgiven. Right? Oh, what, ha, ha, you want to be really happy? You want to be full of joy? It's the people whose disobedience have been forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Is there anybody in this room that's thankful for a God that has forgiven them by, by, because of what Jesus has done on a cross? That's the real happy people. That's the people that have the most joy. And, and joy actually is a step further than happiness. Happiness is based on our circumstances. Joy is based on the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And so I just want to challenge that thinking with us. And I, I want to just stop for just a second and just kind of pour my heart out to you really quickly. I want you guys to understand something. That I'm not going to preach this message to you today. I, I, I'll just be honest, and maybe it's your first time here, and we are so glad that you're here. I do not preach about money. I know a lot of people think, oh, that's what the church is all about. That's what just people just talk. I, I do. I, rarely do I ever speak on money, and anybody that goes to Purpose Church, you can ask them. I mean, I have maybe two or three sermons in the last 28 months spoken about money itself, and I just want to tell you I, I, the reason why I've done that, the reason why I want to do that to you guys, and, and just is because I want to earn your trust. I want to earn your trust as your pastor. Our team wants to earn your trust that, man, you can get behind the vision of this church and what we're called to do and the people that we're called to reach that are far from God. And, and again, obviously, we've been blessed. We have things, right? You look around, and sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes you got to put a tree in the middle, like a lighting tree in the middle of the, the, the worship auditorium. That's a gym every other day. But guess what? We're blessed. Th- we are blessed, right? We have been given a lot more than we deserve, and we're so thankful. But I will just tell you guys, I'm not speaking this today out of need from something for you, from you. I'm speaking this today because this is a principle that I put in my life many, many years ago. And I'm not speaking this like because we need something from you. I'm speaking this because we want something for you. And I've seen this so many times, this spirit of brokenness uh, over our finances for many, many years. And I am bound and determined as your pastor that God is going to break this generational curse and this mindset of being broke in the spirit of mammon in Jesus' name. I'm believing that with all of I've got. And I want to, again... I, we're not going to be the church that ever just stands up here and says, whoop, bless God, we got to pass the buckets again because, Lord, we can't even turn them lights on. Nobody's going to do that, okay? I want to just, just put that out there. That is not who we are. It's not what we're going to be about. I will tell you really quickly that we have an opportunity as a church in front of us that is like, like probably the biggest opportunity that we've had in the last two and a couple months, years of being a church. And I will tell you that we have millions of dollars worth of vision out in front of us. But I will tell you that we have been, listen, God has blessed us. And and my heart is that you hear me not saying that we need something from you. But I promise you, listen to me, if you will put this principle that started all the way back in the Older Testament. And you're like, hey, that's the Old Testament. Doesn't even matter. It's a principle that still applies. And if you would put the principle into practice, I promise you that God is going to do something in your life. He may not raise your bank account. He may not do anything like that. But he is going to You are trusting God with some things in your life. And I'm telling you, if you will do that, trust me, God is going to honor that sacrifice. And I'll just tell you again, we don't need it, but I'm telling you, I'll just, I'll encourage you that that if you want to come alongside of this church to give and be a part of that, I can't wait to see what God is going to do. And the first thing I think we've got to do in order to get God's spirit On our money, not the spirit of mammon, not the spirit of confusion, not the spirit of riches that we're going after, but getting God's spirit on our finances. We can find how we do that in Malachi chapter 3. This is what the Bible says. I'm going to read it actually from my Bible because I want to... 
I want you guys to, to, to get this. This is the NLT version, and this is what the Bible says. It says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Wow, that's a strong statement. You know what I'm saying? Ever since the day of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? And then the Bible says, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When, when did we ever cheat you? And the Bible says that you have cheated me on tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. Uh, if you do, watch this, if you're faithful in the tithe, watch what the Bible says. The Lord of heaven's army says, I will, somebody shout, I will. Open the windows of heaven for you. Somebody shout, I will. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. The only time in the Bible that God is saying, try me in this, and this is the God of the Bible saying, try it, put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for Somebody shout, I will. I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fail from the, uh, fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight. I think there's a few things that we can learn from that. And I want to challenge us with this idea that if we want God's spirit to be on our finances, we got to return the first. got to return the first. And you're even doing that. Come on, high five somebody next to you and say, good job. Just tell them. I'm going to tell you why in a second. High five, tell them, good job. Good job. You're even doing that with the first of your week, right? Returning the first day of the week. So Sunday, I consider it being the first day of the week, and you are here at church. You're, you're serving or you're worshiping and attending. And, man, you're doing a great job of being here because you are, are literally doing a, a tithe of your week. You're saying, you know what, Lord? I want to start out serving you. I want to start out honoring you with my time. Sometimes it's an inconvenience to come. Sometimes it's, it's hard to get out the house with all them babies. Come on, mamas out there. Sometimes it is difficult. You had a terrible week, but you're doing a great job by putting today, saying, you know what, God, I'm going to honor you. We talked about a little bit of Sabbathing. We're going we're gonna to focus on you, King Jesus. You're doing that today. I, I just think we do that as a church with the first of our year, Right at Purpose Church, we start off the year 21 days of prayer and fasting. You know why we do that? Because we want to center ourselves. We want to tithe the very beginning of our year and say, God, we want to focus on you. We want to learn from you. We want to honor you. We want to step into the things that you're calling us to do. I think every single morning, I'll encourage you really quick, start your day scriptural before you go digital. All right, just, just start before your feet even hit the floor. Lord, thank you for letting my feet hit this floor. Wherever you send me today, I'm going to follow you. Right, something that simple. If you will do, excuse me, if you will do that every single day, if you will do that as you tithe the first uh, part of your day, as you return the first, I'm telling you, God will honor it. Now listen to me, doesn't mean that everything's always going to be easy. Doesn't mean that everything's always going to be perfect, trust me. But it means in the midst of chaos, my spirit isn't affected. In the midst of chaos all around me, like we talked about last week, I have rest and it's on the inside of me. And no matter what's going on, there's nothing that can affect that, no matter what happens to me today. But I'm going to start my day honoring you, King Jesus. Right, returning the first, we even do that with our finances. And that's, I believe, what Malachi chapter 3 is talking about, that we return the first uh, the, uh, a tithe, which is, means the first tenth is what that means, back to God. And Allie and I, this is a principle, and let me just share this with you. I'm going to kind of open the curtain for us a little bit. This is a principle that, that I don't get a lot of stuff right. I, I don't do a whole lot of things right a lot in life, but, but this is one principle that I'm very disciplined in. That I, I, From the very beginning, even before Allie and I were married, that any time that I, I would get, if I would, I would be working in tobacco or I worked at Amber's cleaning service, cleaning some windows. Come on, somebody. I was a janitor. I, I had the keys and all. Come on. It was awesome. Like any time that that happened, I was 16 years old, and I remember my parents teaching me this idea that you cannot outgive God. Like if you would just return to him what is due to him, if you would give that, that first portion uh, back to God, God will honor that. And I'll just tell you guys, I'm not perfect. I, I don't claim to be perfect, but this is an area of my life that I really want to get right 
Because I want to be able to be a blessing on the back end to so many other people. But I want to honor God with the first. That's what he's telling us to do. Return the first. Allie and I, we sit down every month and we say, you know what? This is what we expect to come in. Don't really know it for sure. This is the, and we're going to give this at the very beginning. We do that once a month. You may do that every time you get paid. I just want to challenge you. If you've never started to tithe, I, I'm going to give you the, just to prove to you that we don't need anything. I want you to take the three-month tithe challenge, where for three months, start tithing. And if you don't see God start to do things in your life, whether it's releasing something on the inside of you, or, man, just some things start to shift, or your mindset starts to change, if you, after three months of faithfully doing that, listen, we'll talk to Kyle, which Kyle is our operations pastor. He's an incredible leader, does an incredible job, and he's probably going to kill me for this, but it's, oh, no, he's not going to do that. But, but Kyle, Kyle, we will hook you up with Kyle, and we will give you a full refund. A full 100% refund if you believe that, you know what, no, that God didn't do anything in my life over the last three months when I started tithing. That's to prove to you that we don't need anything. We're not in need asking you to do this. We're doing this because I promise you I want something for you. I've seen it even in my own life how God has opened up doors that I never could have opened because I was faithful with the things that he had put in my hands right now. So, again, return the first. I, I, I want to kind of illustrate this really quick. Anybody uh, want to help me up? Lex, come up here on stage, homegirl, if you don't mind. Come on, give it up for Lex as she comes up here on stage. I want to illustrate this, and we're going we're gonna to buzz through these last two points together. And Kyle, if you don't mind coming up and playing, that would be awesome too. We'll just go ahead and do that now. I want to prove this to you really quick. Everybody say hi, Lex. Hi. You're awesome. So glad you're here. Lex, let's just imagine just for a second that I, I, you have earned a wage, right? You've gone out. You've done a little work. God gave you the opportunity to get a job, and, and, and here's your... It's $50, all right? Count, count those out loud for us. How many is there? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. All right, so you got $50. So I, I just wanted to prove this to us really quickly. This is how it works. This is, again, how, and I'm not legalistic about it, like the very first ones that she touches she needs to give back. But if God were asking you and I to return the first, what would you do to return to God the first? One-tenth of what you've been given. How many would you give me right there? A dollar, or five dollar, one-tenth of what you just earned. Well, here's what I want you to know. First of all, you can have that. Go buy somebody's lunch today. Come on, somebody. That's fun right there, right? But watch what happened. Watch what happened. So, even, even, even Lex being up here on stage, she had no idea she was coming up here on stage, okay? She, she didn't even know she was getting that money. But when she was faithful to give what she had in her hands, what God had blessed her with, she got more than she ever even imagined on the back end after she was faithful giving God what was rightfully his. Now listen to me, I am not, I, come on, look at me everybody right now, right now look at me. I am not saying that when you give, you get. No, 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 no. Listen to me. It's the spirit of how you give that God begins to change. It's the spirit on the inside of you and I saying, you know what, God, I'm trusting you with this more than I trust myself with 100% of it. I'm trusting you with that, and then you're going to do the second thing, which is manage the rest. Come on, somebody give it up for Lexus. She goes off the stage. That's literally for you. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to return the first. I'm going to manage the rest. I'm going to return the first. I'm going to manage the rest. You know why? Uh, your job is not only to just return the 10%, the, the tithe back to God, but it is to go out and it's to manage the things that God has given you. Manage it well. Jesus told us, as we were reading, if you're faithful with little, you'll be given much. So, so that's, that's a part of managing the things that God has given you. Allie and I, this, if Dave Ramsey's watching, what's up, Dave? Uh, but but uh, he's not watching, let's just be honest. Um, but if he is... I'll just tell you, we use an app called Every Dollar that every month we go through, and it, it's our budget, and it's where we, where we keep our budget, and we try to work off of that. That is a cuss word in a lot of homes across America. 90% of Americans do not live on a budget. So I encourage you, manage the rest well. Return the first, manage the rest, and then watch the last thing is this. Invest in eternity. That's your time. That's your talent. That's your treasure. Listen, I want you to understand that God gave you and I stuff in our life that we can be able to enjoy. I, Jesus said, hey, I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. If you have stuff, it's not a bad thing. You and I can enjoy the stuff that we've been given, but not all of it. 
Not all of it. Like, like take a portion of that and let's do whatever we got to do. Our, our energy, our time, our effort, everything that we have, that we have control over, let's take it. Let's invest it into eternity and see how many people we can get into heaven together, right? That's the goal. That's the goal of the church. And if you could sum up the whole Bible uh, with one verse and one word even, I believe it's the word gave. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. His one and only son. That you and I, we don't deserve anything. Listen, the guy with the microphone in his hand doesn't deserve anything that God has given me. But because of Jesus, because of, of his sacrifice, he's forgiven me. He's redeemed me. He's, he's taken the old, as we even sang in that song, the, the dead has come to life. And it's because of Jesus. And I'll just tell you again, we try to fix uh, you know, spiritual problems with normal remedies. The only thing that will fix you and I in this life on the inside is the person of Jesus Christ. It's, 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 it's a relationship with Jesus. So I'd ask you, if you can, bow your heads and close your eyes. And you're in this room and you say, tell me a little bit more about this Jesus guy and what he's done. Well, Jesus loved you and I so much that he gave his one and only, uh, that he gave his life. That God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son. That anybody who believes in Jesus would not perish, but have everlasting life, the Bible tells us. And so I... You're in this room and you say, you know what, I'm far from God. There's no way that God would want me, as we've talked about over the last few weeks. Help, I'm depressed. Help, I'm tired. Help, I'm broke. Their only uh, natural remedy, we try and fix it every way naturally, but the only remedy that can fix the inside of you and I is a relationship with God. It's a relationship with Jesus. And so if you're in this room and you say, you know what, I need a relationship with Jesus today. I need forgiveness in my life today. I need him to come into my life and change me today. If you need that, I would just ask that you would pray something like this. Dear Jesus, would you come into my life? And if you're watching online, pray with us. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Set me free. Forgive me of my sins. Help me live for you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiving me. And I want to live every single day doing whatever I got to do to tell everybody about you, King Jesus. And maybe you're in here, maybe you're watching online, and you prayed that or you prayed something like that. I would just love to know that, and our team would love to know that. And you just had Jesus, he, he was working on your heart today, and you said yes to Jesus, a relationship with him. If that's you, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and you make your way to either side of the walls in this room because uh, there are people there waiting to celebrate with you. Celebrations are response as a church. We're going to celebrate that. We're going we're gonna to be excited about that, and we're going to help you figure out what your next step is. If that's you, go ahead and move right now. And I'll just let you know, you're not the only one moving because our team is going to be moving as well. So you'll hear some other people rustling around and moving, getting ready for the second experience. So if that's you, just take a, take a step right now. Go see one of them. That would be awesome. And if you're watching online, would you just text the word PURPOSE to 270 229-6488. Let's just know that you made that decision today. I love that. I love that. I love that. Maybe you're in here, and, and, and I'm going to do a second invitation really quick. Maybe you're in here, and let's just be honest. There's strongholds in your life. There's things that are holding you back from where you believe that God has called you to be. There's things in people and relationships and other things that are holding you back from the purpose that God has put on the inside of you and that he wants to achieve with you in your life, and if you would just be honest in a room full of people that love you, you say, you know what, there's some strongholds that I got holding me back, and I need some prayer, I need some God, I, I just need somebody just to, just to, just to pray with me, and we're not going to bring anybody to you, but if that's you and you would say, hey, you know what, that's me, I got some stuff holding me back, if you would just raise your hand and you could drop it right back down, because I think there's a lot of us in this room struggling with that same thing, I love that. I love that, I love that. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for being real. This is a place where, hey, it's okay to not be okay. And I just believe that God wants to change you because it's not okay to stay that way. Maybe there's a stronghold in your life. Is there anything, if there's anything that our, our team could help with, there's anything that your crew leader could help with, or anybody that has one of those name badges on that says, help, I'm here to serve. We would love to serve you however we can. If there's something we can agree with you, pray for you, come alongside of you, keep you accountable in, whatever it might be, we would love to do that. Let me pray for you really quick. Jesus, thank you for today. God, we honor you. We love you. 
Jesus, thank you for salvation. Thank you that uh, above everything else, that, that the things and the good things that we have in this life, the thing that is greater than all of that is salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. God, thank you for that. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you that we get to walk out of these doors to go out and be a blessing to other people, that we can stand uh, and, and with our chest stuck out knowing that, Jesus, you've called us to go and make a difference wherever you've called us to go. Lord, we love you. We honor you. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, I said, everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? Don't go anywhere just yet. Put our hands together as we celebrate King Jesus in this place together. Come on. Give it up for King Jesus. I love that. I want to remind you of a few things really quick. Next week, help, I'm lost. I will just tell you, I'm going to show, it's, it's, it's a part of the video of the sermon, but it's, a, it's, it's kind of a reenactment of the lost son, the parable of the lost son that was far from God, far from his dad. He's coming home, and it is just one of those things that as we read Scripture and as we hear this story and as we see it on the screen, and, and I'll bring just a gospel-centered message next week, I would just invite you, bring somebody with you. Have somebody that hasn't been to church in a long time, bring them next week. Know somebody that doesn't know Jesus, bring them next week. I promise it's going to be one of those weeks that you, man, you can peek whenever I say bow your heads and close your eyes, all right? That's one of those Sundays where you can be like, mm, okay. You have one eye open looking because I believe that God is going to save some people next week, and that's going to be when you and I invite some friends to come that don't know Jesus. So can't wait for next week. Help them lost. It's going to be great. It's our last week of our series. Uh, and then I'll just tell you, too, I want to celebrate you as a church because you as a church are so generous, so great. I'm so thankful for you, not just with your finances, but with your time. Yesterday, you'll see some, uh, some pictures behind me scrolling. We had an opportunity to go out and love our city. Right, love, I love my city. Murray is so important to us. Callaway County is so important. We got a chance to partner with some other organizations because of your generosity. We got to be able to help out a whole lot of people yesterday uh, by serving uh, soup for the soul. We deep cleaned the whole place. Blessing boxes were filled because of your generosity. Hospice House got, got places uh, where baskets of food and things for people that are uh, mourning the loss of or getting ready to be the loss of their loved ones. Uh, all kinds of things that we had a chance to do. The Moses Basket, we had to go and chance to be a part of, of reorganizing and putting up shelves and, and separating and organizing and do all kinds of stuff like that. And so I just want to tell you, thank you for your generosity. It literally gives us opportunities to go outside of the four walls that we see here and go out and make a difference. And I know I've told you guys uh, many, many times, we do have an opportunity. I told you before, we have an opportunity out in front of us for a facility that would be ours, that would be home for Purpose Church, not just in a, a gym one day a week. And so just be praying about that. We're still working through all of that. And uh, as soon as we find something out, listen, y'all going to be some of the first people that I share it with. I wish, I, I, I mean, I've been dropping on y'all for like three, four, five weeks, you know, because I really, I, maybe I jumped the gun telling you as early as that is, but I'm just excited about the opportunity, and we're going we're gonna to honor this place. As long as we can be in here, we're grateful, but if we have our own home, it's going to be awesome too, all right? So I love you. I'm so glad you're here, whether you give online or at the, in the offering buckets or, uh, uh, or via text, whatever you do, I just want to tell you, thank you for your generosity. Yesterday, future, where God is calling us to go, it's because of your generosity that we get a chance to do that. So I just want to tell you, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Let me pray for you, and I hope you have the best week of your life. Jesus, I pray that you bless my friends, that you keep them, that you turn your face towards them, that you shine your favor upon them, and that this week you give them peace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everybody say it. Amen, amen. Have a great week. We love you. See you next Sunday. Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose.